Welcome to the Tangled Tanuki Bonsai Podcast. I want to welcome you all back to the Tangled Tanuki Bonsai Podcast. This evening, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Ofa Grunwald. He's not only bonsai professional and a curator at the Jerusalem Botanical Gardens, but he's also the person that I'm actually learning from. So I'm really, really happy to be sitting down with him and picking his brain a little bit and getting the recording out there. How are you doing, Offer? Hey, Hilton. How's it going? Yeah, not just the bonsai. You're actually like multidisciplinary like artist. I mean, you're doing everything. You've got your, your fingers stuck in all the pies, as I would say. Hey, I, I've got, yeah, into several flavors of pies, that's for sure. We do a lot of <clears throat> very different stuff. And I think uh, it's actually sort of, you know, we, we can talk about it a little bit if you want, but it's also something that I think from the student side, you probably see me encouraging that kind of experimentation and cross-disciplinary influence as well. I like your ideas of taking one thing and bringing it into into the other, how they influence each other. I think one of the things that uh, you often mention is that most of your work is fluid. Yeah, it's something basically that I would define it as working with non-solids, non-solid sculptures. And uh, again, all of that is something that's sort of like at, at basically at the center of all that I do and the focal point for all that I do is bonsai. And I find that it gives a very interesting prism for looking at other media and for the world in general, just that sort of fluidity of things over time. Yeah, definitely. I also enjoy or appreciate the fact that I've come into bonsai a little bit later in life. Old man on my walking stick, as you can see me when you keep beating me with that walking stick every time I walk in. But uh, <laughs> yeah, And I keep pruning it. That's the problem. <laughs> it's amazing how I found like other hobbies and things that I've been interested in earlier on in life have come back and influenced how I look at bonsai and how I, I'm actually, in a way, I'm sort of happy that I was able to come into bonsai a bit later because I often wonder whether I would, looking back at like when I was younger, if I would have had the patience to be able to sit down. I mean, I haven't, it's not like I've been doing it now for years, but actually now sitting down and having the patience of waiting a little bit of having bought trees like right in the beginning, you know, when I had, when I got into it, visiting nurseries, mm -hmm. buying this tree, buying that tree, not really knowing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Then not immediately sort of working on them, understanding that I had to wait. You can't repot throughout the year. You have to wait. Usually we learned that the hard way in the beginning. Okay. Now I had to wait and now winter came and I was able to start working on a few of the trees, start repotting. And then I learned, ah, oh, wait, you can't repot all of them. The deciduous, you have to wait a little bit longer. So it's like, ah, so all of these things, it's it's really interesting how the different facets of life do influence or, or at least come into the art, especially like in your work. I see them crossing over into each other. And it's, it's actually interesting, like you sort of mentioned that would you have gone into it or would you have persevered with it? Like, had you gone into it earlier? And it's something that I think a lot of it is, well, first of all, obviously a lot of it is just sort of by chance at coming across something at the right time, but also it's, it's so much of it. And like looking back at myself starting out and things like that, there's so much of it. That's just in getting the right feedback from the work that you're doing when you're starting out, because if you're starting out and you're just crashing, you know, that's a much harder obstacle to for persevering and sticking with something as opposed to like starting out and getting a little bit of positive feedback or doing things that you you know enjoying it a little bit 
And at that point, it becomes a little bit easier to sort of to stick with something, even though it does sort of could have a bit of a longer learning curve or, or like ramp into it. That's a Im- very important point, because I think even looking at how things were for me like five years ago, I don't know if I would have persevered with it because just it, it's just come at that exact point in, in, in time that I'm able to now take it in. I'm able to now absorb it. I think that that's one of the things I've realized up until now, I've been building that sponge and now I can actually sit and take it all in and absorb it and not just sort of go in one ear and out the other ear oh well whatever you're saying most of it comes in one ear and goes out the other ear but <laughs> yeah. I, I, if if i tilt my head a little bit then at least some maybe of it stays some inside. of it can get yeah but uh, first of all um, horrible horrible analogy of thinking of yourself as a sponge but uh, <laughs> that aside it, it's also by the way i think i'll take you back to that in like before we started working together that that sort of like initial period it's something that actually like because in my approach I tend to be a little bit, I would say, absolute, as in like it comes as a package deal. You cannot like sort of separate the styling from the maintenance. You cannot separate the maintenance from the from the overall design plan like everything is sort of interconnected and it's this all all inclusive deal plus i'm not the type of person who can do it at like 60 percent of of how it's supposed to be and because of that it's something that with experience as a teacher and being very much aware of that aspect of my approach and that aspect of my personality if you remember like when we were just sort of you know in our first sort of introductory sessions i was like also very much putting the things out on the table and like listen my recommendation is like you know to go or let's say to shop around uh, with different people and different approaches and different aspects just to be sure that you're going to the right thing into the direction that would speak to you because you know it's not for everyone like a lot of people especially like when you're going into it okay I have a tree. I did a design, but I want the payoff of seeing it in a bonsai pot. I want it to be pretty now. And, you know, I I shoot that down immediately. (laughs) By the way, for that, like I have to say, like super respect and props to anyone who studies with me for for their patience and their ability to take that kind of, well, let's call it abuse. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt all the time. Offer it's okay. I, w- once you start adding the salt, that's that's when it really. Is. That, that's yeah, but the but lime again, sulfur. The lime sulfur. Um, um, lime sulfur. I think that has to be a line. Exactly. We have to draw a line a with the lime sulfur. <laughs> no, but seriously, like it, it is something that I mean, I I super appreciate people that are able to accept that need to sort of have things occur over a planned schedule or, or, you know, and if it's not the right time to do something, then you don't do it. Because like, I think for me, looking back, the two main conclusions that I can like, sort of give to someone starting out is that one, and I, I've mentioned this to you, that the fastest way to make a bonsai is to take it really, really slowly, because that will guarantee you that you will continuously improve the tree as opposed to constantly having to rework it because things keep dying and things like, you know, one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, two step back. If you take it slowly, you have a better chance of always just taking one step forward. So that that would definitely be one of the main things. And the other thing I'll need to remember what it was. If you could go back in the Wayback Machine, post the dinosaurs and all the bacteria and everything and get back to when you started Bonsai. Right. Is there anything that you would like go back and say, this is, I wish I'd started it back then? It's actually a really interesting question. I don't know if I'm the right person to ask that because, you know, I tend to be quite happy and pleased with where I am and where I got to. And I, I don't think I could have arrived at this point in, in any other way. And like, I, I think I do, I have had a bit of a different path 
through it like ultimately like you know nowadays when i introduce myself basically i introduce myself as as a sculptor or as an artist and then when people ask in what media do you work one of them is bonsai mm. whereas a lot of times you know people would tend to say hey i do bonsai but also i for me there's no there's no distinction it's it's sculpture and looking back i mean the way that i started out like with most people was just sort of like with experimenting you know at home in the dark everyone <laughs> else had gone to sleep uh, and would we st we're still we're still talking about bonsai uh, no no i'm back on the sponge <laughs> <laughs> uh, no started out back in in those days just uh, i had a small bonsai one one book and looking at that and then like slowly as things started going a little bit online with like the internet bonsai forum and then ultimately the i think for me the, the right from from the get go it was very evident that like i knew there was something that was attracting me to bonsai but i didn't have even the words to sort of put into into words what what it was that was you know when i was looking at a tree what was i even seeing let alone the technique or the skill to to sort of start to put those you know sentences together and then through a friend i got to the israeli bonsai uh, club started going to their sessions then we had marco and vernizzi come in for uh, like as a visiting artist workshop and for me that was that was a major sort of you know that first time where you sort of get in touch with real professional bonsai techniques and you know Marco trained with Kimura in Japan plus the Italian approach in general which tends to be very very artisan based and that sort of like opened up the world of opportunity for me or the you know really opened my eyes uh, I reached out and got in touch with uh, Enrico Savini of Progetto Futuro studied with him for a few years and ultimately I think I was very lucky in that the way that I did it was not as a full on immersion apprenticeship I would go to Enrico for a week four times a year and then for every tree that I did with him I would do another 20 on my own and again that sort of gives you you know there are downsides to it because you're not as into the into the the technique as as you would be if you were 100% there but on the other hand it does give you the freedom to sort of make your mistakes play without the pressure of of having anything around you and you know like even today israel's relatively a backwater in in the bonsai world back then much much more so takes off the pressure of having to conform to like the things that are around you stylistically so in a way basically i got the best of both worlds i was able to sort of had have that upbringing in the progetto futuro technique in the progetto futuro style which also was uh, very very much um, spoke to me in that direction but also to have the freedom to sort of explore things on my own and be in this sort of complete vacuum and start to sort of build things up from the ground like in israel from the ground up in terms of, of the school that, that i've sort of built around me here. Ultimately, I mean, I think I was very very lucky having that kind of trajectory. So I I I don't think I would change. I'm I'm quite happy with the way things played out. I spoke to Jonas in the previous episode and that's exactly the same word that I used, lucky. I'm really lucky that I found you and Shai so early on that I can learn from people that like you said, like, like one of the things you, you said in the beginning was go around, look at who, look at a few gardens, look at trees, look, there's other people obviously to learn from. 
but there was just that click that I had with you. And that was one of the things it's the, the breaking down the trees and it's sort of, you you explained it in such a good way too, because we building the tree up, we setting the structure for the future and everything we are setting up now helps us in the future. And as you said, it's, if you're constantly having to rebuild that structure, having to rebuild the trees, yeah, it's just you sort of you swimming against the current. And I think a lot of people going into going into this uh, contact sport that that is bonsai, sort of I think we tend to approach it with this thought that you know bonsai is a reductive art form, where sort of like a stone carving, where we have a block and we're finding the tree inside the like finding the bonsai inside the tree but i think especially from a teaching from a didactic perspective even though also from a technical perspective it's not it's it's an additive like the big mind switch is that you don't need to think about bringing the tree down into the bonsai you need to think about growing the bonsai out and i think that's like for people starting out i think that's the main like mind fuck that you sort of have to get your mind around it's definitely it was definitely something that i've paid attention to as soon as you said it and then you go and actually look at trees on instagram or in other gardens or on facebook or wherever you're looking and you start paying attention to those little details even though the silhouette might look the same when you actually look at the bonsai tree itself that's where you actually see the differences in that in that structure in the in the bones of the tree you know yeah, yeah. and especially when you come face to face with them in 3d in person that's where it really really like a, a tree that has a nice silhouette and trunk but that's it it could look nice but a tree that's actually like properly built over time as a bonsai that kicks you in the gut like when you see when you meet them in person it just has a whole other impact yeah i love the way that you say like like we're looking at trying to get trees that'll just like smack you in the face you know when you see it it's sort of just slaps you around and says like that's the power of like creating like you say taking it slowly building the tree up slowly and at the end of the day we're going to have a tree that is stunning you want a stunning tree you don't want a bonsai tree like you say you you you're you're sculpting you're an artist but you also want that work to actually be powerful and that's that's what's important i mean i think a lot of that by the way if, if, and again we're we're sort of going into some sort of like art theory here basically like that that the main power like the main i would say like unique asset that bonsai has is that structure is the treeness of it it's that where if you're building to that strength if you're building bonsai as something that is unique to that medium as opposed to just painting a silhouette which might look really nice on in 2d but you like when you're front of, and I think you sort of saw that a little bit on the, the big juniper that we did where like we styled this big juniper from the Jerusalem Botanical Gardens collection. And it was the first sort of real styling for the tree. In the end, what the way like when you're fa like in front of it, when it's fully designed, you're not experiencing it as an image. What's actually working for you is the 3D relation, like and the, uh, the, 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 the fractalness of the branches, the way that they're sort of spread out in space. It, it's like, ultimately it's not, the, the shape is a lot of it, but what really sort of grabs you by the gut and slaps you around is actually the spatial aspects of it. And that you can only get with proper, you know, proper structure that's built over time. 
Yeah, there's no there's no cookie cutter approach or no, just yeah. stick a branch here, stick a branch opposite, and you'll have a bonza. That it's 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 not the way that yeah, that's it's one of the things that I'm lucky and I'm so happy and I appreciate that I'm I'm able to to start this now because I'm not going to be I'm I find that I'm not going to have wasted time and eventually have to like or relearn or unlearn something that's down the road in a few years time I'll already have trees that actually will be well on the way to being bonza. So that's that's definitely one of the, the cool things about working like with you and Shai. And it's something that I'm really happy that I that I found you guys. And I'm again lucky that I found you guys so quickly. Again, that's it's something that might not have happened five years ago. I wouldn't have found the Facebook group and then I wouldn't have found all podcasts. I mean podcasts were just probably starting out. That's how I found you was uh, listening to another podcast. It's again it's it's that the time just it just worked out perfectly. Things t- things tend to work out like that in life. You know, the, the important things are all basically coincidences. One of the things that I really would like to like go or do a little bit of a deep dive headfirst into that rock pool is you mentioned something and it's something that only in the past few weeks actually made sense to me. But it was such an important aspect that you talked about. Wait, wait, hang on, Hilton. Is this one of those things where you dig something I said out of the past and use it against me? Definitely not. Never. I'd never, I'd never do that. <laughs> all those, all those, all those recordings. No, I, I delete them immediately. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Sorry. Do go on. <laughs> now, now that now that I've cleared my name and uh, there's nothing incriminating. No, it was we were talking about like the top of the tree and what's in the ground. And there's a sort of a balance or a, a mirror. Oh yeah, that, we call those the roots. Yeah, the roots. Oh, those aren't. They don't grow yeah, above it, the ground. I thought that. Oh, no, told you, I'm again, a, not a really good student. That whole in one year, out the other year doesn't. <laughs> no, it, it probably my fault. I handed you the diagram upside <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was really like something that only made sense to me once I got my fingers in the dirt and started looking at roots and then seeing what was on top. And that was the trees that I had uh, bought and I'm busy repotting. I was repotting the junipers and they, they weren't in great shape. They're a little bit sort of rough and like really patchy growth. And once I got into the roots, well, I didn't clear the roots out because obviously that's not the thing to do with junipers yeah because the tree's already quite quite weak yeah so it was just sort of cleaning it out but just seeing the the sort of the rough roots you could see like it was really rough structure and that was basically what i was seeing on top of the tree and also you could probably see the same kind of weakness that you saw in the branches you could also probably see in the roots that the roots looked fragile they looked weak they looked sparse yeah. So yeah, it was it was something, and then we then we were you were working on another tree up in the gardens, and then you could see that sort of that fine structure, the fine roots, and that mirror again. It's sort of that fine structure that you see below the soil is reflected above the soil. So if you take care of the roots, I don't know if it's a way I would explain it, or if that's a way that if you agree with me, but taking care of the roots. You actually like creating that fine structure is basically in the roots will will just generate that fine structure in the in the in the branches and the leaves maybe or yes and no i mean it's a little bit i i mean i think it's very true and very correct to sort of look at it as an interdependent relationship and and one that sort of there is a reflectivity 
I would very much be careful of calling it a mirror because that is an oversimplification, which from there, it's very easy to be led down paths that seem intuitively correct, but are not necessarily based in fact, or in, I'll give you an example. It's very, very true. And it's, it's 100% that, you know, the health and strength and ramification and diversification of the roots, you'll see that in health and strength and diversification and ramification of the branches. Absolutely. And it's very true that if you have more room for the roots to grow, the tree can go into overdrive and have longer growth and longer internodes in the same way that the roots might, you know, be a little bit longer. And it's very true that as a tree becomes a little bit more root bound in the pot, you can see that sort of growth slow down and become more compact in the foliage as well. I would be cautious of saying that it's a, it's, it's a mirror relationship because that is a little bit of an oversimplification and then it can sort of lead you down paths that, for example, you might say, hmm, I'm taking off so-and-so branches, so I need to equalize the root mass, or I'm taking so-and-so roots, so I need to equal... And that is an oversimplification that can get you in a lot of trouble very quickly. So I would say I would be careful of, of that. I would definitely say that you see an, you see the impact and you see the, the, the interdependence. And I, I think I also mentioned to you as, as I was doing that repotting in the gardens, I had a few articles out, like when I started working with the Botanical Gardens collection back in 2012, it was super, super, super challenging because the trees were in really, really poor health. And not only that, they were in really, really, really crappy soil. Like the whole situation with both the substrate that they were in and the way that in the past they had already lost control of it. And it was basically like concentric stones like that were that thing was out of control and you had to sort of start to rehabilitate the co collection and, you, and one of the key things was rehabilitating the roots as well and it's one of those things that really forces you to go back to basic like, because again in bonsai we tend to you know we like to we tend to like the big picture we tend to like the the after images and the show stopping things and the demos and and the design and the styling takes you know front front and center a lot of times but sometimes it really is good to go back to basics and try to figure out okay how do i rebuild a root ball that's too delicate and too fragile and too unhealthy to start rebuilding it in a way how do i i you have to sort of build a donut in order to remove the hole to keep the donut so back then i did a series of articles for bonsai focus on the rehabilitation of those root balls and in two of those basically i had series of different trees from year to year as i was changing out the the soil mass and you could see the way that it affects the roots. And in particular, one of them, I had a tree, I don't remember exactly which one it was, where basically I had taken out a third of, uh, I had taken out two of the side thirds of soil and changed them into proper soil and left the middle third with the original soil and then took it out the year later. And you could see the different type of roots that grew in the different type of soil. You could see compared one next to the other in the same tree, in the same pot, in the same conditions, in everything, you know, it's, a, it's its own control group. 
And the only thing that's different is, you know, the soil substrate in, or the substrate inside different areas of the pot. And you could see the morphology of the roots change completely. And you could also see how that impacted the growth or the health of the, the branches or the health of the foliage. So it's very, very interesting. And it's, it's a crucial and absolutely critical point in, in understanding the way that you know, those two factors interact and the way that you sort of sometimes have to ask, okay, to put it into practice, I have this tree, I'm looking at it. I have a design plan for it. And then you sort of have to ask yourself, okay, is the tree healthy enough to support this design plan at this stage? Yes or no. Also, if I don't, like if I, because as I work the tree, will it, will it have more vigor as I work on it or less vigor as I work on it? Because sometimes if it has more vigor as you work on it, for example, because you're concentrating its energy into specific branches, you're cleaning it out more, you're taking care of pests. Sometimes, you know, optimally as we work on the trees, they will get healthier and stronger if you're, if you're working correctly. So sometimes it actually makes sense to postpone the root work until you've gone through a year or two with the tree. Sometimes it's the other way around. You say, well, I want to work on this tree, but I cannot do that until I get those roots in order because I need the tree to be healthy enough to support the design decisions and the design direction I want to take it in. So I would say the practical aspect of that is in, in that critical stage where you're saying, okay, how do I, like, if, if I'm like working with a, a, a raw material starting off with, with a tree, the first assessment after you say, okay, what would I like to do with it? it or actually it's before the first assessment is always what's the health of the tree. That's it. First assessment. If it's not healthy, you do not work on it. You have to get that in order first, but let's say it is healthy enough theoretically to work. Still, you have to ask yourself, is it better to do the root work first or is it better to do the design work first? Because you do not want to overstress the tree. And once you get it into a routine of like, let's say the first thing would be, you know, removing a ton of the full of the extraneous foliage or regrowing parts of it or doing a major bend or something like that, then you sort of have to factor in, hmm, now maybe I can't repot it until two years from now because I did some. So you sort of have to factor those things in. You'd never like build the roots up first. It's not sort of you're building up the roots and that will affect the foliage. When you're getting into refinement, that definitely comes into play where basically like, for example, with pines and junipers, where we do, by the way, in the West, we tend to over repot them and it's better to, let you know, we don't need to do the repot them every year or every two. It's okay to let them sit and you'll actually see the foliage get better for it. Like if you really want to polish something up in terms of, of the proportions and the refinement of it with junipers and pines, for example, things like that, also other trees, but basically that's when, when you might want to use that as a tool. Other than that, usually in most of the cases, you'll see that I... I mean, it's not actually the, the first question is, is if the tree is healthy, if the tree is healthy, we have a little bit of flexibility. If the tree is healthy enough to work, then, you know, depending on the situation, depending on, on various other factors, especially like with students, sometimes, you know, didactically, it's better to let people have that sort of something to work on than have that pay off and, and, and instead of just sort of 
always saying, no, let's let's start. Wait another year or two for the roots. Because again, uh, you do want to let people get the mileage and the work done. So the first question is always, is the tree healthy? And if the answer is no, chances are that we'll, like, if the answer is no, it's almost for sure that we'll start off with fixing a root problem. If we're talking about nursery material, things like that, then, you know, and that's the reason that the tree is not healthy then usually the first two years will go into sort of root rehabilitation. If the tree that we're starting out on is healthy, then we do have a little bit of that flexibility to say, you know what, no, let's start off with the design and then work the repotting into the design schedule. And again, maybe change out the soil over three consecutive repottings or something like that. I think that that would sort of be the mindset behind it. It's also their point of view or the way that you work at least is we do one thing at a time. We don't do a little bit on the top and repot and sort of start wiring. Each time we touch the tree, we're doing one thing. And then, like you say, again, it's slowly but surely building the tree up to create what we really want to do. And again, it's something that I think maybe with other bonsai professionals, they have different approaches and, you know, different success rates and different skill sets. For me, it's definitely a result of, of post-trauma. Like, again, you do bonsai long enough and ultimately the, the best tool you have in your arsenal is your own post-trauma. Having worked a tree for God knows how long, being really happy with it and then getting impatient or, no, I really want to do this and I really want to see it in a pot, even though I just did this. And you, you know, you get, you get, you, you, you find yourself knowing that what you're doing is wrong, still going ahead and doing it and then killing the tree or setting it back five, 10 years, whatever. So it's, it's definitely one, like for me, it, it is like lessons learned in blood. So, and again, nowadays I'm very much aware of it that I do tend to overcompensate, but again, for me and for the trees and the collections that I work with, uh, it's better. I find it to have that sort of overcautiousness a little bit. And again, actually, it's very interesting. I wonder if it's something that you use, like I do encourage students, yes, to experiment and yes, to try things and on like, basically, first of all, to make your own mistakes. But also, I think, again, I don't see my role as basically having you do what I do, because then we've gone nowhere. Basically, my role, the way I see it, is to give you all the tools and knowledge and experience that I've gained without passing on the limitations that I've sort of attached to those that tool set. Because again, maybe I've learned and acquired those skills at certain costs that you know, tend to take me in certain directions, that shouldn't be a limitation that I pass on to you. Take that skill set, run with it. Maybe you'll be able to do much better and have much better success than I have. And again, like I, I can tell you, say even like shy with propagation and things like that, he, he's light years ahead of, uh, of me. And uh, nowadays, if I need to do anything that's um, cuttings or grafts or things like that, go to shy. And part of that is because basically I encourage that kind of experimentation. I encourage, like you asked me recently, when's the best time to do like those cuttings? Like, is it now or is it later? And I told you do both. Find out, find out for yourself. Like I can show you, I can tell, tell you the technique for taking the cuttings. I found that there's no dogma. There's no sort of, this is the cult and you need to bow down. Well, Sometimes the bowing well, down, yeah, but, but we, there's definitely no <laughs> cult. <yeah. laughs> there's a ritual, not a cult. 
<laughs> and uh, but yeah, you've definitely like you've given me the tools, which is what I really appreciate. You've you haven't shown shown me something, and that's the only way to do it. It's sort of you're showing the the technique and the reasoning behind it. There's also the yeah. why, or the it's not just the how. There's also the why I'm doing this, and then that's okay. Maybe I can think of something, and you sort of you do encourage me to think by myself to go off and to ask questions, and you've never sort of. No, no, don't, don't ask me that. Don't, I don't want to know about you. Very also open to getting questions that you also not scared to say, I, I don't know. Or, or there's someone who's better at, you know, this specific question, there's a better address for you to talk to. That's definitely something that I really hope that anybody listening will, will have teachers that, that this is what they encourage because it's been a very, very important basis of, of how I go home. And I try different things, as you know, like I'm not at home being able to be next to the trees all the time and watering them. So definitely us talking about soil, like you're in the gardens, you're watering the trees, you're seeing them every day. So your inorganic mix is built for the gardens. And you've said, look, this is what I use. You can try it, but you need to experiment. You need to find, because you're also in Jerusalem. I'm in the north. It's a different climate completely. So there's also, you, you've never like closed the door and said, this is the way that you should do it. And there's no other way. And also I think like in terms, like stylistically, unless there is specific reason for me to exercise a design override to say, no, you know what, because there's a lesson to be learned here or because this is a tree of such quality that we owe it to the tree to, to go in a certain way. Like, uh, again, the way I see it, like one, one of my core responsibilities is to protect you from me in a way. Well, I don't, I don't think anybody can protect me. From no, me. and again, again, listen, we've gone over this, the cold water hosings <laughs> and all that. It's, 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 it's for your own sake. <laughs> Yeah, I've, uh, I really appreciate appreciate your time that you've taken to come on. And if people want to find you or if they want to get a hold of you, which is which is the best way of getting in touch? Basically, you can find my email online and you can reach out to me through Facebook. It may take me a little bit of a while to get back to you because I'm not in there quite as often as uh, like these days but definitely facebook and, and email you can find me uh, online and i'll put those in the show notes and is there anything that you've uh, been doing lately that you might want to like share with us in terms of i know there's there's some interesting stuff uh, in europe at the moment with the auctions and that yeah so, so as as we started out um, and again to close that beautiful uh, loop of of this uh, podcast uh, saying uh, that I have my fingers in a lot of very interesting pies. One of the things that I have started doing recently is working with the European uh, specialty auction powerhouse, Katowiki, that they've wanted to sort of build a bonsai, I believe can be a huge, huge um, watershed moment for the bonsai community. Something that basically it's still very, very early days, but all the signs are super encouraging. Not It's a platform that would allow us not to just sort of have the commercial market inside the bonsai community, but it actually lets us, it gives us really good visibility with potential buyers and potential collectors 
from all over Europe and from all over the world. And actually one of the really interesting things, again, very early days, but one of the very interesting things I am seeing is just how much that audience really, as you say, are stunned when they come in contact with trees. And as that brings new people and new collectors and new interest and new money on scales that we haven't imagined or haven't been able to sort of mobilize in the past in the bonsai community, I think it has the potential to be absolutely amazing. Just want to say thanks again. Uh, I hope that I'll get you on in the future if I can uh, twist your arm again. Because, yeah, there's a magical brain there that I'd love to carry on picking away at. So. It, it would be my pleasure. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back next time with somebody else that give us a little bit more insight into the bonsai world.